Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. Today, we are discussing how to edit the major point of view styles, including first person, third limited, and third omniscient. If you are ready to move forward with your professional editing, stop by thebookeditorshow.com. We can help in every stage of your work, from pre-production, developmental editing, copy editing, to proofreading. Stop by today and let us know how we can help you build a better book. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and he once did a line edit of Finnegan's Wake in Latin. While scaling the Empire State Building, blindfolded, he's my friend and co-host, Peter Turley. Peter, what's going on today? <laughs> I'm, I'm really good. I mean, uh, I'm just recovering from that, to be honest. Um, that, that was quite yeah. a feat. Yeah, I mean, editing while scaling the Empire State Building can, can really tweak your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it can. So, well, I'm, I'm glad it worked out very well. <laughs> so. so what have you been doing? <laughs> oh, you know, nothing like that. So I've been sleeping in till 8.30. <laughs> and days, that's a lie-in so for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is, you know. So um, it's, it's been kind of a, a lazy last couple of weeks. But uh, when we get back going, um, I just got a, another little office space. And it is a little... Um, what would you call it? Business development center because they have like the, the, the fiber optic internet because uh, it takes me like a week to load up one of these courses, these video courses that we do. And then of course it takes all my internet away. You know, no one can use the internet in the house while it's working. <laughs> so I got this little place and now I can go over there and within an hour I can have a whole course loaded up. So I'm really giddy. <laughs> don't even let people walk past the router. <laughs> no, no. Don't breathe. I'm it. like, no, don't do anything. Don't even look at opening Netflix. That's going to ruin everything. <laughs> well, and actually, you know, that that is kind of the problem because, you know, like you could have a little power bump or something just goes off and then it like disrupts the, the load. And then all of a sudden you've got to do that entire video section and over again. So it was really a, a frustrating um, deal for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's that's good then that this uh, this new new place is working out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I'm really excited about uh, being able to get the courses up. And um, I'm excited because uh, we've got some new stuff coming out for everybody. And um, it's going to be fun to, to have it out there and uh, see what people think. Yeah. And um, and you're also pretty, um, you know, this, this uh, being up at this time in the morning isn't getting in the way, this exuberance, because duty is called a little earlier than usual today, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, it's like not, not even 8 a.m., I think, for you or something now. <laughs> no, it's not. So uh, it's, uh, it's early, but uh, today's a busy day. I've got, uh, I'm doing a lot of uh, work with some different uh, authors today. Um, so this is the only time to get in here and, and get this done. But it's nice to get up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that, that must be some, uh, some strong coffee to be straight out of bed and then straight into discussing viewpoints. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, I find that if you just get your coffee and then uh, mix it just with a slight little bit of meth, that it's all good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'll do it. Good to the last drop. All right. Uh, right for you there. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get into these. These um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, 
working through um, uh, some of these ideas. I actually just finished the the point of view course like two weeks ago. They were putting it together with the uh, with the um, writing fundamental writing fiction fundamental master classes. Um, and uh, and this is one of the things that seems to to catch authors off guard. It's it's something that you kind of forget about um, as you're writing through. You know, you you pick whether you're doing a first person or you know third person limited is usually the two most popular. And and there are some rules here and some things that we kind of forget about. And so I hope we can get through this today so that um, for our, our good listeners, you know, that you can go and take this information on the book you're working on. And maybe it gives you a couple other things you hadn't thought of before because uh, point of view really does give you some different places that you can play. And I think it can be a lot of fun. And we're going to start off with, uh, with first person today. Um, and we both have some different thoughts on these things, and we're just going to go through them and and talk it out like we normally do, and hopefully make some sense. <laughs> yeah. um, because if I could just say, the last thing you want is to be, you know, ten, twenty thousand words deep and realize that another point of view would have suited you better. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is actually, which is actually really true, because um, when you're selecting a point of view, it shouldn't just be about. Uh, your preference as an author, you know, it really should be about how to tell the best possible story. And, um, and so this can be a lot of fun. And there's a lot of different ways. And we're even going to talk about third omniscient, which is really unpopular right now. Um, you don't find it in in mainstream fiction. But uh, of course, you know, I think we're going to see pendulum swings back and forth. Um, I think we could see that in the next 40 years that that's going to become really popular again. And um, because it's a really cool way to tell a story. So um, one of the things that I was thinking about for first person, though, is when you're going through an editing, is that um, that you're really making sure that that first point of view character, the POV character, is uh, and the, uh, the actual character, not just you, the author, and that um, that when they react to things, that they're reacting to it the way that that point of view character should react. And um, it's really important when you're in that first person point of view is that that whole story is being told by that character, which means that when they walk into a room and they, they see a person for a first time or, or a situation happens to them that they need to respond in the way that that character is always going to respond. Yeah. And I mean, this is going to be the first thing to show you that you don't have a strong character. If that's like an area you're struggling with, um, because as, as you just say, you, you really need to have a strong character voice here. And so the, the more vivid and alive your characters are, the, the more that's going to benefit you with third, first person. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've seen with first person when it comes across is, um, is sometimes it ends up just sounding like the author. And like, um, especially when in, when I want to be clear here and it's early in the morning, so I'm not sure that I'm being clear. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, but I'm hoping that I'm being clear here in saying that, uh, you know, that you're writing something down and, and that sometimes we have a habit of having our own voice as the author slip into the character and, um, and when they, they look at something and for instance, let's say that you're trying to move the plot forward and you're like, this character needs to respond in this particular way. And uh, really like when you're the reader, you're getting to know this character. You're like, I don't understand why this character would respond this way in this situation. It doesn't, it seems out of character. And that's one of the biggest, um, biggest problems that you can have with that first person is that you really need to make sure that your plot is aligning well with your character's decisions and that um, you don't feel like 
that the character is being pulled along by the plot, that they're actually making decisions based on their personality that you've created. Yeah, that's, that's a really a great point. And it's, it's a trap that's easy to fall into when you're kind of writing in first person because, I mean, a, a positive is that it's potentially quite easy to write in because we're so already used to telling stories in first person. Like whenever we relay a story to anyone, we, we generally tell it in first person <laughs> unless we're a bit strange. <laughs> but, you, you know, you can kind of like consciously you know, unless you're consci consciously choosing to, say, have an unreliable narrator like um, Catcher in the Rye or something like that where, mm -hmm. you know, there might be an intentional disconnect between the wider world of the story and what the, the main character is saying. Um, you know, unless you've, you've really set out to do something like that, you have to really be considering, you know, how should the character be reacting here and having a strong character is, is the way that you'll generally not trip up over this mm -hmm. and uh also remember you know the the there is a difference between having a biased because every first person narrator every first person narrator should be biased because they're telling the story from their point of view it doesn't mean that they're going to be unreliable though and that that's there's a difference between those two um one of the things that uh, that really has kind of struck me you know uh, when i was doing a lot of additional study for this course I was putting together for the point of view um, is the idea, you know, that really um, it, you as the author aren't telling the story. You know, it's the character who you've chosen to do the point of view who's telling the story. And so it's really important to make sure that you understand that character really well. And um, yeah, cause I, I think that, that level, that intimacy that the reader is going to get with that character um, mm -hmm. through a first person, like story is is the strength of it and it's that's who they're reading the book for and who they're going to read the sequels for is to return to this character because you're so much closer to them than any other viewpoint that that's who they want to spend time with they don't necessarily want to spend time with the author in fact the the author needs to be pretty removed <laughs> from from the whole process yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, that emotional connection that you're going to get on the first person point of view is just so intense. And that, you know, as you're editing through there, and if you're finding that um, the true first person narrator is being like really closed off, maybe that's a clue that you've picked the wrong point of view to tell the story from. Because that first person narrator really needs to be telling this. Remember, they are telling the story. They they are the ones who are telling the story to the reader. And so most likely that's going to be an intimate situation between basically kind of between two friends almost in a way, you know, and the really close friends. And they want to share all the stuff that's going on in their life and what's happening to them. Yeah. Um, like I think in the opening of uh, Catching the Rye, he kind of relates to the reader as if they are a close friend. And, and it is that, that bond that you, you're trying to create. And I think taking the time to just sit down and consider what story you're telling is, you know, the first step to, to determining which one of these you're going to use. Cause obviously there's, there's things that you can do and there's things that you can't do, but that there are workarounds for each. I mean, for example, say with first person, you, you generally are going to only going to have one viewpoint character. Um, and you know, this, this character is not going to really know what other characters are thinking um, which can limit your scope within storytelling. But you can break these rules, for example, 
fantasy, you know, perhaps the main character has a particular ability where they can, you know, <laughs> uh, hear the thoughts of other people. Um, so obviously there are there are workarounds, but it's going to be harder to use a workaround if you've if you've chosen the wrong one in the first place. Yeah. And um, when you're editing your manuscript, if you already have your first person manuscript complete, um, that's one of the things that you can be looking for is that you're making sure that you're attributing it correctly when you talk about other people's feelings. Um, that the that the first person narrator doesn't know, you know, that the first person point of view character doesn't know unless they are a mind reader or have an ability. They don't know what that other person is actually thinking. So that when you're when you're saying, you know, that the character is thinking, you know, that another character is thinking something, you know, that they seem to be thinking this, or you know, that they scrunch their nose up, seeming to say this, and that we want to make sure that we don't um, that we that we don't tell what the other person is thinking because we don't know that as a first person point of view character we can't actually know the intimate thoughts of the other person and so we need to make assumptions we need to say things like seem and these are little tiny things so that we make sure that the reader doesn't feel like we're they're doing something that's called head hopping or you know that they're they're breaking point of view character yeah so like everything that they, they're experiencing is coming through the lens of that character um which can sometimes say more about that character and the way they're perceiving things than necessarily an objective truth to the situation and everything is generally subjective. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I've been thinking about lately, you know, um, we're all naturally storytellers. You know, that's what we do as, as humans. We do this. And um, I, I'm a huge uh, fan of learning more about the psychology of 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 human thought and, and why we do things and, and everything that happens as humans. And um, I was watching, um, his name's Jason Silva, and he was doing this thing about talking about how we perceive people, you know, like the, the mask that we put on, how we um, act a lot of times is not how we see ourselves. And it's not how you see me. In fact, it's how I think you see me. And so that can be a lot of fun. Like you can, don't be afraid to really dive deep into the psychology of people. And like, like that, that's one of the cool things that you can do with this type of story, especially in the first person is you, you can really get into, to that insecurity of the human psyche and, and how they're responding to what they think other people are thinking about them, not the actual thing that they're being thought of. Yeah, that that <laughs> you you put that so clearly. For, <laughs> for, <laughs> Didn't I? For this time of the morning. <laughs> as soon as you started, I was like, "This is going to be complicated." <laughs> but yes. That made perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that is such a, a clever way to use this um, this viewpoint. And I think that that's what you want to be doing. And think, you know, I've chosen this viewpoint because I'm I really want to do something with it and and use it to its full potential mm -hmm. well yeah and each there's no wrong viewpoint you know for for what you want to do you just need to figure it out um and if you're going through and you're really and man that's going to be tough like if you've got your entire manuscript done and you're looking at it and you're like wow i really did pick the wrong point of view to go with and but but you know what? It's a good time to change it because you don't want to be like second or third book into a series. And then you're like, I'm going to change things up and add another character's point of view in here into my first person POV. Because that really tosses the the, the reader through a hole. You know, they're like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't what this goes on. 
Yeah, I mean, I think to do something like that, you just kind of have to do maybe like an offshoot series that just followed one character. I mean, because you can do, for example, you, I guess you could have a first-person story with different characters throughout the book told in their perspective, but that's going to be hard to do. And, you know, so the, the, it can be... Obviously, we don't ever want to say, you know, you can't do these things. If, if you feel like you can do that and you can make it clear to the reader that you're going to have different characters in this book, um, then, yeah, you know, run with it. Um, I think it, it is just the awareness that these are potential pitfalls. They really are. And, um, you know, it depends on which way you want to go with it. And, uh, and maybe that the third person limited is a better point of view because it's easier to switch between different characters. So let's talk about that. And um, we can have, the, you know, in the third limited, which is really a popular format right now, um, one of the things that I see, and again, we're talking about, you know, let's say we have multiple points of view through the story. You've got two, three characters in there that you're switching between. And one of the things that I see that happens a lot is that we have what's, you know, I've mentioned before is that head hopping, you know, is what we've jumped from one character's point of view to another character's point of view in a way that is just, it's unsettling. Like you know, all of a sudden, I was with character A and now I'm with character B and, and it can like really pull the reader out. And so that's one of the first things that you want to look through. If you have, if you're doing limited third and you've got multiple points of view is that you have a clear way, a clear set of rules for the reader to understand when you have switched point of view and whether that's um, like, if you do with um, uh, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones, you know, that like each chapter, you know, is just one point of view character. You're not going to get two point of view characters in the same chapter. Even if, you know, you have characters which are major point of view characters in there, you're still only going to stay with one of them. Um, that could be a clear way. Another clear way could be that, you know, that's like you do a, 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 an extra return space um, to, to leave a, an additional paragraph space for the reader if you're do, switching up in the chapter or, you know, or you use asterisks or something, something that's a visual cue for the reader to know that you have switched with another one. And then following up with that immediately is that you want to be able to identify within that first, usually within the first sentence um, with both a, uh, with the character's name and then try to toss in a character feeling. So let's say you were with Sue, you know, Sue is the point of view character and now we're going to switch to Bobby. And so the next line, you know, you'd maybe do an extra space or something. The next line would be, you know, uh, Bobby felt the cold handle of the doorknob as he turned it. And it would be something as simple as that, that we've cued in the reader, that we've switched point of view, we've, we've switched who's having the feeling now and we move forward. Yeah, there's nothing more dizzying than sort of getting like into the second sentence of a paragraph and realizing that it's a different character, and you, but but not clearly. You've kind of realized just simply through the fact that it was confusing you, <laughs> and you know that's that's just one of yeah one of the most important things to look for. Um, I mean, and this is a, this is a powerful viewpoint because we're so used to it now because as you said it's really popular and everyone's using it um so so the readers readers at the minute are really used to this um so it is comfortable and it kind of feels like home feels like a familiar book and obviously even the best authors at the minute are still having very clear breaks you know they're generally using chapters um to stick to a particular viewpoint because it's the cleanest way to do it um, but I also like that because you then get your favorite characters and you get your favorite chapters um, 
I sort of had this with one of Joe Abercrombie's books and I would, I would look forward to like an upcoming chapter and it was a great way to get through longer works of fiction because you're like, oh, in two chapters, I'm going to be back with this character. <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to read these and then I'll be, I'll be back there. Um, but that's not necessarily, I just want to read a first person book from that, that person. Um, but I think it is worth noting that everyone at the minute tends to be going for the, the, the clean, the clean style of changing viewpoint with each chapter. And, that, and it's a really great way. And like you said, you know, hey, in two chapters, I can get this. Um, one of the things that you want to be aware of in your manuscript is that you're making it clear that there's a rhythm that's happening here. And um, so let's say, for instance, you know, if you, uh, let's just say, for instance, my Hank Hudson, the first one, I've got one viewpoint switch, but it was a very small one. And so uh, I didn't want to have, like, you can't just have like a single chapter, like someplace, like just randomly in the middle or something like that, um, where you switched one viewpoint character uh, because it just, it feels off. And so like, if you're only going to have one switch, like in the first uh, Hank Hudson book, it was right at the beginning and right at the end, you know, it was uh, uh, book ended in between, you know, the, the epilogue and the prologue had different uh, point of view, but everything inside was just the same point of view. And so you want to establish kind of a rhythm. So if you've got, um, let's say you're doing two or three characters, is it every other chapter? You know, if it's two characters, do, do they switch every other chapter? They, if you have four characters, does this character appear, you know, 25% of the time? Is this character in here? How much? And so make it clear so it feels like they can develop a rhythm to the book and to the story. And it doesn't mean that it has to be every fifth chapter is this character, but, but it's something that's close to that, you know, where that makes sense of when it's going to happen. Um, cause there's nothing, nothing worse than, you know, like you you've had a, like you're saying, you've gotten into a character that you're really enjoying. And all of a sudden they only are in the first couple of, you know, first third of the book. And then they're not in the rest of it. Like it can be really disappointing to the, to the readers. Like when is the next chapter coming up with this guy? <laughs> My favorite character. Where's he at? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th I think uh, bringing up sort of like, Joe Abercrombie, again, uh, he does this really well. well. I think when you're going back and you're editing your, your chapters and your different viewpoints, it's a really great time to sort of think, because I think choosing this viewpoint is really great if you've got distinct characters with different voices. Um, it's flexible. You know, you want to tell a few different plot lines that are in different locations. Um, so there's, there's a separateness to each of these viewpoints and chapters. And I think when you're editing and you're going through it, you know, take a look at it and think, can I, can I write this a little bit differently? Can I um, have a different voice come across a different, perhaps a different writing style? Um, and Joe Abercrombie does this really successfully. And it's, you know, a great place to, to start, you know, if you want to check this out, um, the, the, the writing style even differs slightly between the different characters um, in, in the way he's telling the story. And that's just really grounding uh, for the reader, you know, to say you're in this character's viewpoint, basically. <laughs> I think when you go in and you're looking over it, maybe just think, is there is there a way I can do this? Is there a way I can make this theirs, make this chapter theirs, or make this scene, you know, feel like them?
Because, <laughs> you know, like, say, for instance, with dialogue, you know, it's a, it, having particular words that only certain characters use can be a really great cue for the reader to know that we're in this particular voice, you know. Um, the same thing can, you can use with just your prose, your in-between dialogue, um, that, uh, that if they were in that point of view, you know, how does that person, again, how is it that this character is seeing things? And this is um, just like we were talking with first-person point of view, is that it's, it's the character, you know, if it's limited, if it's a really close limited, then you can do this and you can have it be that character and using more of that character's voice, even in, uh, even in the uh, prose that you're putting in the rest of the book. And it can be a great way to connect the reader to that actual thing or to that actual uh, spot in the book, which can be a lot of fun. And it's a good way to take a look at um, when you're going through your editing process again, that you are looking for to make sure that uh, that character is being adequately represented, that they're actually um, noticing things that they would care about, that uh, they're responding to things that, uh, that matter to them, that you've got a full developed well, uh, character in that point of view. Yeah, and, um, and, and perhaps even taking advantage of, because this is more intimate uh, than the next one we're going to talk about, uh, which is Omniscient, um, which is probably easiest for, say, creating or for getting a character's thought across that another viewpoint character doesn't know. But, you know, in, in Limited, you can in, still insert character thoughts um, and, you know, do things that kind of let the reader know something that a character doesn't. Um, and, you know, you, there are things that you can do that can distance the viewpoint character from, from the wider plot in, in this viewpoint, which I think is really powerful. Yeah, this one has, um, you know, if you haven't started writing or you're looking at, like, changing over, this can be a very fantastic um, uh, view, point of view because you can, like you say, you know, you're not as close to the reader. Like, you can have some more emotional distance there, um, but you can still uh, stay close to some of the thoughts. You know, we can get some tap into the character. Um, we can see things from different points of view, like even in uh, pretty close proximity to one another, um, which can be a lot of fun. And we can make it make sense for the reader as to why this is all happening. So this is a great storytelling element if you want to have multiple point of view characters in it and you want to tell a really rich story yeah and if you're looking for a you know an, an example of this done well i'd say you know commercially check out the harry potters you know that's mm -hmm. third person limited done textbook <laughs> really so you know if, you, if you're looking for an example of this then then check those out yeah because um you know they have they have a couple of the books in that that series have because we get a uh, a Snape perspective. We get uh, one other perspective in uh, the fourth book. Just a couple of times, you know, where we've switched perspectives, but it doesn't happen very often. But we still get so much information, you know, that we're still learning so much. And we sometimes even get some narration in there that's real clear narrator. And so it can be a fun way to do it. Yeah, like you get scenes, um, you know, in like the prime minister's office and, you know, different locations. And it, it's it's great to like use this tool to sort of move away and tell a scene from somewhere else that, that's relevant to the, the plot. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're jumping all over the place every every chapter. If that's what you want to do and you're perhaps telling an epic, then go for it. But 
you know, yeah, like we just said, this this also counts if you just want to, you know, go off somewhere every now and then and, and show something that's happening, you know, in the sidelines. Yeah, and you don't have to um, be totally fully immersed like in what you would do a first person point of view character when you when you switch these point of view characters. You can have Harry the only you know Harry Potter's the only one that we get thoughts on. You know, like he's the only one who's having thoughts. You know that we can tap into maybe, and all the other characters that we switch a point of view to are just there for a different. Uh, so we can go to someplace that Harry's not. You know, because the rest of the time Harry's everywhere we're at. And so it, you don't have to develop each of these point of view characters where you get into it and then like you're getting all the thoughts and everything that's going on inside them. Um, they can just be a very blank canvas point of view where we can learn some of additional information or get to see something different. So, yeah. Which, uh, which rolls us down to the last one, which is the third omniscient. Um, and this is, this is a really difficult one. And to today because people aren't used to it like if you decide to write like this today um people are going to kind of feel a little turned off by it um just because it's not one of the normal ways that we're reading today but it can be a lot of fun um you know that uh, you actually get a true narrator in this type of story and that narrator you know you can develop a unique voice that's separate from everybody else and you know and what does that narrator care about when they're telling the story um it can be a lot of fun when you can put together something like this but again um it comes down to uh, like two things that i've noticed um in the one that i've worked on is that uh that you need to be clear on your rules like um, how do you how do you switch to to dive into someone else's thoughts? Um, how does the reader feel when you're moving around with different characters? You know, and and what does that look like when you've moved from one room to another, and and you feel like you're following character A, and then all of a sudden you're with character B? You know, like you have to be very clear in your rules and how you're switching, and then also again like developing a true voice for the narrator. You know that uh, that they are very unique and different from how any of the other characters sound. Yeah, it's a, it's a real um, storyteller's tool, I think, this one. Um, and, and it is a, a classic approach. Um, but, you know, it's good for if you have multiple plots and you, you really want to tell a broad perspective um, or if you want to have, a, as you say, a distinct narrator, perhaps, you know, um, someone non-judgmental, reliable, who was perhaps in the events and is retelling them um, to, to a reader and it gives it that storytelling feel, that kind of like campfire feel. Um, I, I think it's that's really useful. And also if you want perhaps the the reader to think, you know, that the main character might, might um, if it's distinctly not the main character that's telling the story, then the main character might die and this is this is a good way to get that across but conversely if it is the main character telling the story then as we've said before they obviously didn't die which is worth considering like who's your narrator going to be yeah because in the first person narration first person point of view that character should not die because they should be the one who's telling the story and that's actually one of the things you know like you've got to make sure that uh, if <laughs> You know, the only way, you know, sometimes we have that story where the first person narrator is telling the whole story and they are dead. 
<laughs> like the entire time type of thing. But having them die at the end is really difficult. Whereas, exactly like you're saying, if you have just a narrator who is uh, a bystander or, you know, not even named, um, that they can be telling the story. And then, of course, we can put the, the first person or we can put our protagonist into more peril um, because we don't know how things are going to turn out. Um, this can be another fun way, like uh, if you're going through and you use this and you're like, I, I don't feel like I'm developing a strong enough voice, then break the fourth wall. Like make sure that the reader knows that the narrator is telling them the story, you know, and uh, like be ridiculous enough to say, you know what, but I'm not going to tell you that part yet because that would spoil everything. Um, you know, just like really play with it. You know that this is a, f a fun time that you can really get into the whole experience of telling a story. With yeah. this type of narration, it's it's that it's certainly the the most flexible, um, and yeah, it it can be really fun. You know, it can lead to some really suspenseful, atmospheric writing. Um, you know, and you can you can tell the reader things that the main character doesn't know, uh, and really up the dramatic irony, and you know, build the tension of when a character's approaching a situation that you already know is coming. It can really you can really have those edge of the seat moments, um, and yeah, it, this just is—it's the least intimate, um, which I think must be considered, um, but probably the most flexible. Yeah, because you're not going to be able to come into this story as a reader and really connect deeply with uh, with any one of the characters, and the reason why again, not intimate because you're not going to be able to, yeah, you could get thoughts and emotions and feelings, but you're not getting them in the same way that you're going to get them in a uh, first person point of view or third limited, where you feel like you're being let in on the secret because you're getting everything. You're knowing all of it. And, um, I, you know, the narrator in Third Omniscient could be comparing two characters' feelings with each other that they don't know about. Again, the dramatic irony, you know, is that these two people, um, they have become misunderstood, you know, and, and it's this big, huge mess that they've gotten themselves into. And, and it's comparing the two feelings back and forth and why can't they understand each other and then moves on or something like that. And um, you have to be very clear in this, that, uh, that this is the type of story you want to tell. I hope you can see that, you know, like each one of these um, gives you the ability to tell a story in a particular way. And that's why it's so important that you're not just picking a point of view to tell, you know, a point of view because you find it's what you like to read or, or what you find interesting. Like you're really choosing this point of view character to tell your story because it's the best way to tell this particular story to this particular audience. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you have, you know, a character that's telling the story who was the main character and, you know, it's, it's a, a framing device and they're telling it because events are perhaps going to catch up to the present and then it's going to, it's going to move on from there. And I think, you know, as we sort of said at the beginning of this, um, you know, what's, what story are you telling? And if you, if you can answer that story, then you, you know, you're going to find it much easier to choose uh, a, a distinct voice to use. And as Clark said earlier, you know, none of them are wrong and they're all fantastic and, you know, fun and to some degree um, familiar to to readers. Um, and it is just about picking one and, and in, enjoying the process of, of writing and editing it as well. And, you know, feeling that like it's one that you're, you're comfortable with yourself and, you, you know, you're not, 
you, you fall into it easy. Perhaps it comes more naturally, but you, you'll find that you, you have an affinity to one o- over the other, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, when you have that manuscript and it's finished and you're, you're editing it, um, this is a really good time to make sure that you've brushed up on the rules of the particular point of view that you've decided to use. Um, and if you're breaking some of them, that you understand why that you're breaking it and that you're deliberately making sure that you're doing that. It's not an accidental thing. Um, <clears throat> using your beta readers to make sure that, uh, that you don't have spots that are really confusing or that you're head hopping or that you're giving away too much information that that character wouldn't know. Um, you have to think of each one of these as, again, point of view. You know, if I'm standing on a, a, a I'm standing on a tall, tall building. What can I see down far below? You know, my point of view becomes more narrow at that point. If I'm, you know, really close in the scene, like having a conversation right across from someone, my point of view is different, you know, and what am I paying attention to? Um, if I'm, you know, telling the story, if I'm the omniscient guy who's like sitting high up above me, you know, in the room, then I can see different things. Again, it, we're talking about point of view and what that person that the, the point of view character is interested in, what are they going to notice? Um, what is the point of view narrator going to kind of point out to us, you know, if you're doing the third omniscient, <clears throat> all of this stuff you need to think about when you're in your editing process and to make sure that you're following this so that it's a smooth ride for the reader. Yeah. I, th- I think it's 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 sometimes useful to to think when I'm going through and looking at things. Um, where where's the camera? You know, is is the camera? Does the camera loosely, you know, hover around and pass between different people? Is it attached to one person's shoulder and never leaves never leaves them, or is it attached to someone's shoulder but occasionally is attached to someone else's? And I think you know maybe. Th- Visually considering it in this way can help you determine, you know, what you're reading or what you're writing um, and, and which one of these is being used. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, I'm excited. We're going to have, <clears throat> if you really want to get into point of view and understand more of it, um, our new writing fiction fundamentals courses, they're going to start to be uh, live um, by th- within the week. Um, whether it's on udemy.com or I'm just putting it up on our own site, um, you're going to be able to dive into these and really get deep into understanding, not just the basic level, but a really advanced level on how these technique works and how you can put it to work in both your editing and your writing process. And, and the awesome thing about these is, you know, is it just ask us a question, we'll help find the answer and add that to the course. And so it can be like a real uh, classroom experience, you know, so it can be a lot of fun and I'm excited to be sharing those with you, you know, in the very near future here. <clears throat> Peter, do you have anything that you want to add in closing this up today? Um, just, just that, that yeah. Um, look out for the upcoming courses and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of hearing, you know, which, which bits of this, work for people you know and, and what what people are struggling with and, and kind of getting to work at solving those struggles and you know help helping helping everyone write the best story and edit the best story that they can yeah absolutely so if you got any of those kinds of questions please uh, drop a, a comment there on uh, bookeditorshow.com also if you enjoy the show uh, leave us a review on itunes a like on youtube or a plus on google also come by and like our facebook page and uh, share it with your author friends and if you're an editor who would like to be a guest on the show please drop us a line at the bookeditorshow.com i'm clark chamberlain for my co-host peter turley keep writing keep learning and build a better book 
Thank you for listening and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show.